What is good, Whisper Nation? We are talking those always elusive but great nuggets, those league winners for 2019 fantasy football right here on the Fantasy Whispers. Yes, we're back again. We're back again. Hey, let's pump up the volume. Right here. What's up, Whisper Nation? It's Thursday, August 15th, and you're listening to episode 71 of the Fantasy Whispers with Johnny Game Time Hicks and Big Travi. And we have a very special guest, Summy from the Draft Room Podcast, on with us up? today. What up, Whisper Nation? If you want to follow the show, you can do so on Twitter at the TF Whispers. If you want to find us on YouTube, you can do so on YouTube and Instagram at the Fantasy Whispers. And you should definitely visit the website, thefantasywhispers.com. We've got our articles, latest podcasts, rankings, and most importantly, our fully loaded draft kit for the 2019 season, as well as our Patreon account. So head on over to the website and check it out. Stummy, welcome Crabby. back to the show for like the millionth time, but hopefully <laughs> the first time we'll actually post it out for the for the entire nation to love. Oh, man. Listen, if the Whisper Nation knew just how much trouble we've gone through to deliver this content for them yeah. they they they'd be extremely appreciative um yeah. we've had a couple a couple bumps in the road here but you know i'm so excited to finally be on with you guys recording a show that's going to get put out to the masses that we know uh, because of. i think two that we know of so far yeah Nothing. johnny's like johnny's like keep it down don't jinx it don't yeah. jinx it <laughs> bring it universe let's go what do you got well, like I was saying at the top of the show, we're going to be talking those league winners today. This was something we were really excited about putting our heads together because here's the deal. You get in those late rounds and you're not sure and everybody's kind of doing this thing like lottery tickets, dart throws, whatever you want to call it. There are going to be guys in there. Your Patrick Mahomes of last year, your Alvin Kamara of years or the year before that. Guys that maybe go undrafted or close to those late rounds, mid to late rounds that can really shell shock not only your team, but your entire fantasy football league. And so we've done some digging. We've we've dug up our diamonds in the rough, and we're excited to bring this episode to you guys. Uh, I'm pumped. What about you, Johnny? This, this one's, this one's going to be a good one. This is going to be really, really fun. I love finding these players. Uh, they're kind of guys that you tend to cling to uh, as, you know, training camp and all that goes, and then you end up telling stories in the future if you end up landing one of these guys and you're like, I called it, I called, this is what I do. Uh, or something like that. I don't know. Maybe I just do that, <laughs> but I'm excited, uh, to get into this. But first I do want to say whisper nation. If you are, if this is the first time you're here, please like, and sub hit that, that bell and the little subscribe button. If you're on YouTube, uh, if you are listening on the podcast, please like, and sub on there as well. And Summy, you want to tell Whisper Nation where they can find you and sub to you because you got some great stuff, dude. Appreciate that. Uh, yeah, if the Whisper Nation wishes to follow me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Draft Room Pod. You can find me on your preferred podcast listening platform. Just look up Draft Room Pod, Draft Room Podcast, any variation of that. You should be able to find me. Uh, and go ahead and click subscribe if you enjoy the content as well. Um, I know. You know, we, we bring the stats. Um, I think all three of us can attest to, you know, how 
data-driven and metrics-driven we are. And I think that's what the listeners can expect uh, from our content as well as the Fantasy Whispers. Heck yeah. I mean, listen, we've, we say it a million times. Uh, you are a great follow. You're one of the best out there on Twitter. You're working hard. You're responsive. And not just Twitter, Instagram as well. I mean, you've got all sorts of nuggets. And I tell you what, um, as you get into this community, you're doing all this research. We're doing it all for the people, for the Whisper Nation. It's kind of nice to be able to look over and go, hey, this guy's kicking butt too, man. I got some nuggets for my own personal drafts that I might be taking in with some and don't tell johnny but in our dynasty i might have uh i might have got some advice from somebody that's gonna have me uh taking that crown this wow, year wow dude uh, no wonder come. hey no wonder you drafted well i get yeah. I, get, I get paid by the hour johnny yeah. hey, <laughs> hey oh wow pitting pitting the whispers <laughs> against each other well before we get started uh i do want to say a big thank you to whisper nation I'll, I'll also to summy as well we just completed over this past weekend our 24-hour mock draft marathon, the first of its kind and the first uh, time we've ever, you know, we're going to start doing this thing. We're going to do it every year. And uh, I just want to give a big shout out to Whisper Nation, uh, all of our guests, Summy, Stepmom Lauren, Mac from the Saturday Morning Snap, you know, so much, so many others that were out there. We, we try to give you so much love on Twitter as well. But uh, thanks for showing up and showing out because uh, it was an incredible event. That that was probably the coolest thing I've been a part of uh, in terms of fantasy. Uh, I think it was really impressive, and that we were talking about it before we went live. You guys were doing that, and uh, appreciate you guys for putting out that content for everyone. Heck yeah, man. We do it for the people. Uh, so let's get started, but let's start with some news and notes. What do you guys think? We'll, we'll toss some news and notes around and see what we think of. You know, This is kind of the best time of the year for news and notes. There's yeah. so much going on. Um, so our news and notes are, as always, are brought to you by Fanatic. That's F-A-N-A-T-I-Q. That's where fantasy meets IQ. They say you can win the week, win the next, and win your league with Fanatic. This app is great, so get on over to the App Store. Uh, if, you, if you have an Apple device, iPad, iPhone, uh, the works, uh, and download the Fanatic app, and you will get also, I mean, they're just so great. They've got the beat writers integrated. They've got the regular uh, reports integrated. They've got me, our podcast, Summy's podcast, all sorts of our articles integrated within the app. So we're really excited about Fanat. Absolutely. Let's start. Let's start off with the top here. Jimmy Garoppolo threw five interceptions in Wednesday's practice. Get them uh, all out now. Get them all out now. <laughs> uh, should we go and pick up the 49ers defense? Is that is that what that's saying? Yeah. yeah. I mean, five interceptions, guys. Are we talk about practice. Hey, was that? Are we sure it was Jimmy G or was it Big Travi? Hey, wow! I mean, Listen, I do look. I do look like him. So. This isn't necessarily a bad thing. Um, I know people see that headline and they take that and they're like, they start panicking right away. I think it's a good thing because having your balls picked off in practice—that's where you want your balls picked, right? Because. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally sorry. came out wrong dude <laughs> i was good until i saw johnny's face and then i lost it bro i was like all right i, I mean i let the first one pass and i was like all right but then when you doubled down on it i just couldn't contain it anymore dude oh. it's a family it's a family show but uh but, oh man hey, this is what happens when it takes forever for you to okay. get him on the show it's just bound to be a wild one. It's just bound to be a wild show. 
bro i am tearing right now that was that was epic so that was one of those that like okay anyways getting back on track here you want jimmy g to get intercepted at practice because that just means he's being aggressive that means he's pushing the ball down the field that means he's trying out new formations that's that that means they're trying out new plays that means he's not comfortable and when you're not comfortable especially in practice that means you're learning and you're growing right so it's not necessarily a bad thing that he's throwing picks um he's coming off that acl you know he's looked good in practice so far so don't take this as an opportunity to to kind of exaggerate and uh, say that the Niners are going to be horrible this year. I think that's going to be very dangerous road to go down. Yeah, I tend to agree with you on that one. Um, I think that Jimmy G, I think the Niners are poised for basically a bounce back year. And I think um, a lot could be made after practice reports. Don't you think Johnny? Oh yeah, for sure. Every, I mean, they're looking to dig up any and any information that they could possibly get in order to try to get traffic. So yeah, and Another, one other thing, I'm oh, sorry. Go for it. Before we start, I mean, one other thing I just want to comment on is the whole Dante Pettis um, debacle that seems to be going on this last week. Yeah, uh, I personally, what, what do you feel about it, Johnny? I personally, I love it because it's driving down the price of Pettis. Like Pettis was creeping up to like the six. I mean, we just did a billion mocks and man, you started had to take him in like the sixth round because, you know, a lot of these, a lot of people were on the Pettis uh, bandwagon. And then this, this article comes out and all of a sudden a lot of people are, are, you know, second guessing their, their Pettis takes. I'm staying firm. I love this. This system works and I'm buying the system and I think this is just a motivational tactic. I, I you know, he hasn't been finishing out uh some practices as far as like going a hundred percent and things like that. But I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not concerned that that happens going into the season. I think he'll correct it. I think this will help motivate him. He, this dude is talented. We've seen what he can do. Uh we've seen it in games more importantly and you know Trying to say, oh, that rookie wide receivers are going to beat out Pettis. I just don't buy it. Right. I mean, if you look at last year, he was the wide receiver 10 from weeks 12 to 16 when he came back healthy. Uh, we've seen what sort of talent he has. I just want to let the Whisper Nation know this is not someone that you want to fade. Right. There have In been fact, beat yeah, writers that have come out. I would try to right. go and get him right now on. Uh, it's like one of those things where you tell your league mates, yeah, fade him, you know, <laughs> go for it. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah, you you want to be scooping him up there. Yeah. Um. So coming out of Cleveland Browns practice is that OBJ missed practice with a hit pointer. When Freddie Kitchens was asked about it, he said that Odell uh, is dealing with a little bit of something, uh, but he should be ready to go pretty soon. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see Odell for the rest of preseason. But are, would you guys be concerned with Odell, who's had nagging injuries in the past? Are you concerned with this uh, with this hip pointer? Something uh, pers- first. Personally, uh, my level of concern on a scale of one to ten is probably about a two point eight right now. Um, it's going to start to creep up. It's if very any, specific. yeah, yeah. I like that. I like to quantify my level of fear. Right, Le- level of <laughs> yeah. concern. Uh, just to give you guys an idea, because, I mean, sure, you know, we've seen the history with Odell. I think we all know it. And I think this is a perfect opportunity for all those uh, Odell's injury-prone truthers to come out of the woodworks and, and start saying, I told you so already. Um, I think it'll be smart for the Browns to, to keep him in reserve, keep him in reserve for the rest of the preseason. Um, 
I think hip pointers are, are well, I don't think I know hip pointers are something that can go away just uh, just from rehab, just kind of from non-physical activity. So I think this is something to definitely monitor. I wouldn't blow it out of proportion just yet. Yeah, I mean, it does it does draw caution for certain. Um, I mean, this is something that he has battled, you know, as far as injuries. It does remind you exactly, you know, when you're when you're thinking about who you are going to select uh in drafts, I can tell you from experience, this is the exact uh, dilemma that I face. Do I take Devontae Adams or do I take OBJ? Uh, and I end up going Devontae Adams because of the slight, you know, Devontae Adams hasn't missed a game. OBJ has missed every single season. He's missed at least a game. Um, no doubt the you talent go, is there. You go Devontae Adams because you have a giant man crush on Devontae Adams. <laughs> Partially that is true. But at the same time, I mean – also realize that what you're getting in OBJ is so elite. So when he is on the field, he is so dominant. I mean, he finished, um, I believe, as the wide receiver 12. Is Am I – let me I – can, I can check that stat. But um, he, he finished as a top wide receiver despite only playing 12 games last season. That was a wide receiver. Oh, uh, last yeah, last yeah, year. I will tell you right now. Uh, he finished as the one, two, three, four, five, six, fourteen wide oh, receiver, okay. 14, fourteen in half PPR formats. So uh, yep. wide receiver fourteen, and he only played in twelve games. So that means that the games he played, he was a boss in. And so I, I have, I, I would still draft OBJ because the talent is there, and if you do happen to catch a, a season where you get them all sixteen, look out. Because this guy will no doubtably tell you why he's one of the best, if not the best wide receiver in the league. No doubtedly. All right. <laughs> JJ Ortega Whiteside. That's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's debuted the correct pronunciation of his name on this show. Anyways, uh, Yahoo Sports Charles Robinson reports that the Eagles are very excited about about Whiteside. And despite the veteran wealth at wide receiver, he could factor in 2019. So, I don't know about you guys, but Arthega Whiteside is one of my favorite dynasty wide receivers. But let's talk redraft here. Rookie wide receivers, we know that statistically they are not the best to invest in. But given the plethora of riches on this offense, given Carson Wentz fully back healthy, and given the fact that the Eagles have spent a lot of time in the top 10 in, as far as plays ran over the last few years, are you guys excited about J.J.? for 2019 Summy, kick us off here oh yeah so i just did an episode with uh with rod simba who's a, who's a good friend of mine um and he played college ball and he himself had he his excitement was beyond excitement it, that's not even a word to describe how excited he was that he landed on the eagles and keep in mind rod simba is a dallas fan so that says something mm-hmm. um to me jj was the number three wide receiver in dynasty coming out of the draft landing with Philadelphia just because I saw him as an Alshon replacement. Uh, but I loved, loved this kid's film. I love this kid's film in college. He goes up, gets the ball, contested catches with him are, are pretty much 80, 20 balls. And he's a dominant red zone threat. And, you know, pair that with a, with a great offense, pair that with um, a high powered, efficient offense with Doug Peterson, Carson Wentz healthy. I think he could be dangerous for years to come. Would you say, Summy, that he picks the balls right out of the air? (laughs) (laughs) 
bro, I was thinking about that and I was trying not to laugh. But... Come on, yes, it's it's yes, my job. He does. <laughs> I, I I'm gonna move on. Sorry, I don't I I don't know if you have anything here, Johnny, but I want to move on to this next one because I know it's gonna get. Uh, I think it's gonna get Johnny fired up. And part of my job, it's in my contract, is to get Johnny fired up. <laughs> like that is it's within the contract. So I want to talk about the Kalen Bellage Kenyon Drake oh situation gosh. that is arising in Miami. It's been a murmur about Kalen Bellage for the last couple of weeks. Okay, well, that's fine because Drake's still the co-starter or whatever. Now Drake's been seen in a walking boot to which they, you know, the coaching staff is saying it's going to take a while for him to heal. And now the reports from these same Bellage loving beat writers, of course, is that Bellage will be the starter come the start of the season if Drake is unable to go. So, Johnny, I'll start with you before we kick it over to Summy for his portion. But, Johnny, how are you feeling? You're a Drake truther. What's your concern level with Kenyon Drake at the moment? A lot like the Pettis take. I I like this news for Kenyon Drake. Um, okay, let's be realistic about it. Is Kenyon Drake going to get a lion's share of this, you know, of the offensive attempts? No, it would be it would be split. I, I don't have it quite 50-50. But, you know, some people are coming out and saying, you know, beat writers are uh, 65% Kalen Balazs. Kalen Balazs will not be able to hold up at getting 65% of the workload. They will see very quickly how bad of a a running back this guy is. I continue to beat the same drum. Elusiveness, Kenyon Drake is one of the most elusive backs in the NFL. If you look at um, his when he plays, when he is on the field, he is so much better than Kalen Balage. I just, uh, you know, sure, this might concern you that he's in a walking boot. But let's also say, like, there's been a lot of times when players have been in walking boots and they end up playing the next week. Like, it happens. This is the NFL. If you get a, even a minor tweak, they're going to be super cautious. It's a preseason they probably, to me, I think they expect big things from Kenyon Drake this year. And let's also point out the very first touches that went in their preseason game was to Kenyon Drake. They like Kenyon Drake there. They just, they, they, I don't, I don't even know what to say about these beat writers who they're just so out of their minds. They just haven't so, watched Kalen Balash because he's horrible. <laughs> so Kalen Balash to me is he's a home run hitter, right? He's he's one of those guys, he's a one-cut running back. If you give it to him, if you give him that crease, if you give him that lane, best believe he's taking it to the house. But on the other side of it, Kalen Balage is also a pretty ineffective runner when it comes to grinding it out, right? He's not that type of running back. Um, and that's why I'm kind of interested now in guys like Mark Walton and Miles Gaskin. I'm looking at that depth chart battle. I'm looking to see who wins that number three spot, number two, while Drake is sidelined. Um, personally, I've said this all offseason on my on my on my show. Adam Gase, he probably didn't use Kalen Balaj. Uh, I'm sorry, he probably didn't use Kenyon Drake to the extent that we all wanted as fantasy players because maybe he couldn't handle it. Maybe Adam Gase, a guy who spends 10 times more time with Kenyon Drake than any one of us have, he kind of knows what his limits are physically. And I would trust a a head coach in the NFL to not be a complete, you know, jerk and kind of like sideline someone outside of Devontae Parker just due to like, you know, 
in, in effectiveness. Jay Ajayi. Well, he got yeah, shipped yeah. off, so that's a, that's yeah. a whole different story. But he wasn't but even K- using Jay Ajayi when he was over there. Like he because Jay Ajayi, he just usually doesn't go with one guy. He has this, and they're even talking about how Ty Montgomery is going to be splitting with Le'Veon Bell. So it's like yep. I. That's the only reason why I don't trust, and I I don't trust Gase and to put out the best product out there because uh, we have yet to see that. And then, uh, I mean, his best quarterback was Peyton Manning. Let's be realistic. Right. So that's well, what... the the entire NFL is devaluing the position, right? And I think Adam Gase is at the forefront of that, where he likes the rotation, he likes the committee, um, and I think we saw that with Kenyon Drake. I mean, he wasn't given the keys to the Bentley. And I think it's more so because of his durability concerns, and we're seeing that now. So it is kind of worrisome that he isn't a walking boot. Uh, in we're not even in week two of preseason yet, so I'm going to be monitoring this. I think Blage is going to be a stash for me, uh, late eighth, early ninth. That's the earliest I would get him, uh, just because he can provide those home run weeks for you. All right, I one more piece there. of news before we uh, keep moving on here, because actually this this one's a little intriguing to me because. Rashad Penny is a guy that I almost put on my list for league winners. Um, but uh, there's a lot of news coming out of Seattle right now with Chris Carson's hands. Uh, then we have a beat writer today of NBC Sports, Joe Fan, saying Chris Carson taking at least two-thirds of the workload this year with Rashad Penny filling in the rest. Not only was Pete Carroll talking up uh, Chris Carson's hands, but it was also Brian Schottenheimer as well saying that he wanted his targets to be in the 50s range, the 50 range. Um, you know, Carson didn't catch really much of anything last year, and now all of a sudden he's going to catch a bunch of passes this year. Do we see this as motivating Rashad Penny to be a more um, change of pace, a more playmaking back, or do we see it as Chris Carson like being that good that they're trying to expand his role? Um, I think... Um... So Pete Carroll has talked up Chris Carson year in and year out. I mean, he's he's Chris Carson has been Pete Carroll's guy. I think Pete Carroll really loves Carson. I mean, we've seen how much he wants to utilize him. Um, I think it's oddly specific to to label, you know, hey, I want him to catch 50 balls. And I don't know about you guys, but I I, I don't put the most trust in those Seattle coaches, right? Um, I think all. it's something – Right. Well, I it's... mean, I, I understand where you can say that, especially with Pete Carroll. He's notoriously been <laughs> somebody that you're not going to trust in the media. But Schottenheimer's kind of told us what he's going to do since day one and done right. it. So that's the yeah. guy who's actually coming out and saying, statistically, I want to give him 50 targets. And yet, you know, you're now I'm kind of listening. When, when Pete Carroll says it last week, I'm like, whatever. Mm-hmm. Schottenheimer says it this week. It's like, oh, okay. Um, so that's just my thing is like, okay, what? What are they doing? And did we, uh, is it really any new news though? Because I think we have the same stance we had with Seattle. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, both these guys are going to eat. And it would be smart of you to take either one or the other or both, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've said this over and over again that Seattle will incorporate the passing game to the running backs a lot more this year because we saw what happened in that divisional round game against Dallas where they couldn't run the ball. And they want to pass to their backs, and they've been wanting to do that for the last two years with J.D. McKissick and C.J. Proceis, but neither of those guys have been able to stay healthy. But now they have Rashad Penny, who's a better fit for that pass-catching satellite back role, and Chris Carson, who's a better fit between the tackles. So do I think Chris Carson is going to get targeted more? Absolutely. Do I think he's going to catch 50 balls? Not even close. 
<laughs> okay. All right. Uh, that, that's fair. Uh, I just got to say, I'm really psyched. We, we spent a little bit of time on those news and notes. Obviously, we said they were going to be pretty good. Thanks a lot to Fanatic. Uh, they are, you should go download them in the App Store immediately, or we will find you. <laughs> um, otherwise, let's get into this show, guys. Yeah, like league winners. There is nothing better than this right here, baby. So here's the deal. We were each tasked with getting two uh, or three league winners. We're going to cut it down to two because of time. I want to start this off with my boy Johnny Game Time Hicks to give me his first league winner for 2019 potential league winner right here, Johnny. Uh, so I know I know somebody's going to really, really like this one, uh, and we've <laughs> talked about it on his show, actually. And that is Josh Gordon, uh, wide receiver for the New England Patriots, who recently has filed for reinstatement. He has also recently gotten a text from the New England Patriots saying that, hey, a spot is waiting for you. Your spot is waiting for you. Uh, Let me remind everybody that there is no more Gronk there up in New England as much as Tom Brady might wish there was, and same with Summy. Uh, Gronk is yeah is now retired, uh, and you know you look at what Josh Gordon did last year, and I know that you know a lot of people might be tired of the Josh Gordon talks, and and you know the what ifs. We keep remembering that magical season, wondering if it's going to happen and repeat itself again. Well, when you look at what he did last year, he only played in twelve games, right? In those 12 games, he had 41 receptions for on 71 targets for 737 yards and four touchdowns, okay? Jeez. Uh, and so you, if you extrapolate that over a 16-week season, that's 94 targets on 64 receptions for just under 1,000 yards receiving and five touchdowns. That's with Gronk on the field. That's with other uh, pass-catching options that are no longer there. He would immediately step in as the wide receiver one. It would be like scoot over Nikhil Harry, uh, learn from the master, which I think Nikhil Harry could <laughs> learn a what lot. What is he learning, yeah. though? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. depends on what yeah. we're trying to teach him here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but if you if you look at what his upside is, uh, you know, you immediately put him in this offense and he is going to be, you know, a top 25 wide receiver uh, in rankings. And he has the upside. We've seen what his upside. Let's remember, this guy's only 28 years old. He's not an old guy like he's not. He's could be in in game theory entering the prime of his career, which is scary to think about if you happen to grab him and, and steal him in drafts. I want to uh, one more point I want to mention because I this is really fascinating to me. Out of all the receivers that Tom Brady has had over the last ten years, Josh Gordon has the most adjusted yards per attempt at eleven point four seven yards. Gronk is second on that list at eleven point one zero, and Randy Moss, the beast, Randy Moss, Hall of Famer, Randy Moss, wide receiver that played with Tom Brady, he was eighth on that list with eight point three. So he is going virtually free in drafts. He is a guy that I am stashing on each and every single one of my you know draft, mock draft benches uh, because he, to me, presents a league-winning upside that you are getting for free. Yeah. So let me let me let me spit out this hypothetical really quick to you, Josh. If okay. Josh Gordon gets reinstated today, yes, where does he move to your rankings? Where where in your rankings would he? Um. 
Sorry, Sammy. Unfortunately, I don't have my rankings up. Uh, okay. As, no, I mean, like, just just like ballpark. Like, where would you put him? Would you slot him as a back-end wide receiver two, a high-end wide receiver two, back-end wide so, receiver one? Like, where would you? I, I would honestly put him about uh, wide receiver 20 around there because um, you also have to think. I am believing that Tom Brady has to slow down at one point. So that could be, you know, coming up soon. But – I just think that, you know, if you look at, you know, those back end wide receivers, you know, I have I have Thielen back there. I have um I'm trying to think off the top of my head, uh some of my other ranking wide receivers. Probably like Godwin or, or Yeah, Godwin. Or like you're right. telling me that he doesn't present as much upside as, as Godwin or Kenny G or um, you know, you know jones or you know all these guys sutton even you know i don't have sutton that high i think i've Sutton, you know 28 30 but mm-hmm. still like he has more upside than all of those guys and he's not he's stepping in and tom brady is his quarterback who by the way has been mentoring him and spending so many days uh i mean that that's side. the point i wanted to kind of piggyback on is that we're gonna see him not traded in the middle of the year right but in not exactly tr- like you know in training camp with them but if you think that josh mcdaniels and and bill belichick haven't thought that this day was coming where josh gordon was going to file for reinstatement and they know and they don't know that he's working out with tom brady and tom brady doesn't have this as part of some weird master plan (laughs) i'm telling you guys like of course somebody knows this he's a he's a patriots fan I think that's the big point here is that this isn't going to be the Josh Gordon and the stats that Johnny mentioned just a little bit ago, where it's like if extrapolated out, it's not that appealing, right? This is a Josh Gordon within the Patriot system that followed along their entire playoff run, was on social media, gassing these dudes up, is working out with Tom Brady in the offseason, getting a pair of Uggs for Christmas. I mean, this is the guy <laughs> that Tom Brady loves right now because Gronk's gone. Yeah. And so if Gronk's gone, he needs a new homie to make these, you know, hype videos after they win games and shit. <laughs> so I think for me, I think Johnny makes a good point about Josh Gordon and he is practically free. I mean, we did this mock draft marathon last weekend. We saw how he's going at the very end of these mock drafts, sometimes undrafted, not in ones with Johnny, though, because he's drafting him every time. But Summy, kick it over to Kick it over. I'm kicking. Uh, I'm doing something. I'm going to do something here. Jeez. Right. You think uh, I haven't slept in the last couple of days or something? No, uh, there's no way. Summy, <laughs> give us one of your league winners, man. Sure. So uh, a league winner of mine that, you know, I really love this year, especially with a holdout situation. I mean, it's unfortunate that we're seeing this year in and year out now. It's good for the players. They get paid. But it's not good for fantasy, right? Because last year we saw Le'Veon Bell get drafted and and kind of just destroy or bomb people's leagues and teams. This year, that could be Melvin Gordon. Um, Melvin Gordon has been very vocal about wanting to hold out. And I think he might actually do it. So let's just start there. Like, what do you guys think is a percentage chance that Melvin Gordon actually holds out to like week nine, week 10? Do you want to? I'm around the 60 to 70% chance that he's going to hold out the maximum amount of games he can. I'm, I'm only because I just don't. Uh, we talked about this in the mock draft marathon. Uh, personally, I don't see the Chargers having any reason to come down in price. And for a guy that's been on video saying that he agrees with Le'Veon Bell's stance, I know the situations are different, but he, he agrees with the stance. Right. 
he would have to be the guy that comes down in price. And based on how we've seen the running back situation go lately, I think he's within his rights and he feels he's within his rights to hold out the maximum amount of time here. Here's where I stand. I, I don't think he sits all eight games. Why? Because one, yeah, he might pair with, or, you know, shout out to Le'Veon Bell, but look at what happened to Le'Veon Bell. He got way less than what he was, you know, offered by the Pittsburgh Steelers. So that's going to be in the back of Melvin Gordon's mind. Uh, you also look like these guys aren't like Dak and Dallas Cowboys uh, money apart. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. it's rumored to be two to three million. That's not a, a major gap. There there could be some, you know, back end incentives that they could iron out and figure it out. I, I think they will get this figured out before week eight. I do not think that they are he will take that in a whole extended time because you add up the money that he will have lost, you add up the money that uh he would be presumably losing if you were to be released or whatever. Right. And it wouldn't make sense for him to do it. It just wouldn't. Uh so right. I think that there is a chance he holds out several games into the season, uh, but I would not say – I would put it more four. I think four games. Uh, if they aren't doing well, then we could see one side or the other budge a little bit. Right. And you you guys had mentioned, you know, obviously there's no leverage on Mel's side here um, where they have extremely good and capable backs there to replace the lack of Melvin Gordon. And, uh, you know, for that reason, I, I really like Justin Jackson this year, even more so than Austin Eckler. And it's not a knock on Eckler's talent. It's nothing like that. It's only because Eckler's price has shot up into like the seventh round. And to be quite honest with you, I was targeting Eckler when he was in the 10th. And I thought that was going to be one of the best values. Yeah, we um, talked about look- that on Twitter. We were like 11th <laughs> round was his ADP just like a right. month ago. Yep, and he finished as a back end RB two last season um, as that you know satellite back complementary to to Melvin Gordon. This season, though, let's assume that Melvin Gordon holds out for for eight games, right? If you can get eight games out of Justin Jackson as the RB one for for the Chargers, taking him in the twelfth round right now as the RB fifty two, that's a no brainer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's going to hold you over because by by eight weeks in, you're if you're like eight and zero, if you're seven and zero, seven and one. Uh, you're pretty much guaranteed a spot in the playoffs there. So, I mean, he'll have served his trick there. He'll serve his purpose there. But let's get into Eckler and Gore and uh, and uh, Josh Jackson really quick. So Eckler's a phenomenal ancillary piece. He's phenomenal uh, as a satellite back, a complimentary piece in this Ken Wisman offense. Some of his advanced metrics, just to spit out here to you guys, among all running backs with more than 100 rush attempts, he was tied for fifth. A broken uh, broken tackle percentage, 15.1% of his runs, he had a broken tackle. 16th in positive rush percentage, 83% of his runs went for positive gain. That was just behind Carrion Johnson and Zeke. Second in average yards after contact per attempt. Now, like, the list goes on here, right? But he's not built to carry that sort of workload. I mean, his efficiency, we saw it go down with higher volume and then if you remember after week 14 after Eckler went down Anthony Lynn came out and said this guy is starting to wear out he's a core special teams guy for us and we can't let that happen so that being said we saw in the preseason a little sneak preview of what could happen Eckler between the 20s Justin Jackson coming in near the end zone the the red zone the goal line he'll mop up all those touchdowns and you know the touchdown upside in this offense is huge not to mention Justin Jackson and his efficiency 
first amongst all running backs with more than 50 rush attempts in terms of broken tackle percentage by a mile, 24%. He's ahead of guys like Derrick Henry, ahead of guys like Aaron Jones, Nick Chubb, as well as Eckler. He's actually tied with Eckler in yards after catch, 10.4, and that's just behind Melvin Gordon at 10.7. So, again, you're not missing anything with Justin Jackson here. I think Justin Jackson could fill in and be a league winner for you guys. I think it's important to note that what we have here is a system. You know, Anthony Lynn has got the Chargers bought into a system that works really well for them. They've been very explosive over the last couple of years. They're very stacked on defense. They're stacked on offense. They keep putting pieces in to make this system go, this machine go. And so when you see something like that and you're looking at a guy that can slide right into that system, Justin Jackson, for me, is the guy that slides right in to replace Melvin Gordon. And so I think it's a great point to say, look, if we're taking Melvin Gordon in the first round, I mean, let's not act like Melvin Gordon has been this super awesome running back. Okay, for his first two years, he was very inefficient. We didn't understand if he was good or bad. We're yeah. like waiting for his yards per carry to get better and better and better. And, and then finally, he was, you know, he was living off touchdowns. So finally, he gets better. This offensive line starts working a little bit better for him. And now I just feel like if we slide Justin Jackson in, are we going to be surprised if he's putting up Melvin Gordon type numbers? I don't think so. And I think Summy, a lot of what you brought up uh, just goes to show that. So that kind of plays into my league winner here. And that's Miles Sanders. And so when I talk about Miles Sanders, I'm really amped, not just on the guy himself. We know that he's really good. We know he's got good, good skill set because we've seen his frame. We've seen him play at, at Penn State, albeit behind Saquon Barkley for a couple of years. And maybe that's part of the reason why the national narrative on Miles Sanders is kind of ho-hum. But it's more about the Eagles for me and this offensive line that is a juggernaut, this team that is stacked top to bottom. We've got Alshon Jeffrey, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. We've got Zach Ertz. Yeah, I just wanted to say it again. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm getting a kick out of it. <laughs> we've, got, we've got Dallas Goddard. I mean, I don't know if you guys watched that preseason game. It was like, pass to Goddard, pass to Goddard, pass to Goddard. I mean, they've got all these weapons. And what does that mean? For a team that's lived in the top five in plays, I mean, they were in 2016 and 2017, they were top five in plays ran. And then they were eighth last year with a, you know, up and down Wentz health year. This team is going to get plenty of opportunities and plenty of work in the red zone is going to go to these running backs. So that's the narrative, right? Oh, my God. The Eagles under Doug Peterson have never used one back. You know, they never get over 200 carries, 250 carries. We get it, right? Okay. well, they've also haven't drafted a running back in the second round in a long time. You know, so for me. Miles Sanders has the draft pedigree. He's got the, the, the offensive line to boot, and he's got a, a team that's going – and the defense, man. The defense is going to give this ball back to Miles Sanders and that offense. And I think where you're getting him right now at 607, the RB31, take hit that pick, stash him on your bench as a guy you don't have to rely on right now, and watch him pop off from week – six, seven, eight on and leads you to the fantasy playoffs and potentially a fantasy championship. Yeah. Um, you know, going into that narrative that you said that, you know, no running back on Peterson has gotten X amount of touches. Sure. That's granted. Miles Sanders is a very explosive back though. He he's a playmaker straight up and down. Uh, he can put up, I can see him putting up monster weeks uh, behind this offensive line in the system, but also you have to look at it this way, right? Carson Wentz, 
a guy who's injury prone. And granted, I'll give him that. He is kind of fragile. Do you not think that Doug Peterson is going to want to run the ball a little bit more now that he has capable backs in Jordan Howard, Miles Sanders? I mean, we saw Wendell Smallwood kind of pop sometimes last season. Um, he's going to run the ball a lot more. And I think Miles Sanders and Jordan Howard are the two big two biggest benefactors. Yeah, and I think before, Johnny, before I kick it over to you again, I think the big point uh, with that, okay, is that they don't have the backup plan in Nick Foles anymore. BDN yeah. is gone, dude. So they have to, like, keep Wentz inside this, you know, case of, like, we can't get him hurt again because, you know, who's the backup at this point? Like, and not even that. Nate Sudfeld, the guy that they really liked, he I think he went down after the first preseason game. Right. He got surgery yeah. on, his, uh, on his wrist. So Let me ask I mean, you, how concerned are you guys with Sproles? Because, I mean, the last, last year we had the same issue, right? We were battling who's the re- running back to have back there. And the game one came out and Sproles was playing like 50% of the time until he got injured. Uh, right. So... What they brought him back, obviously for a reason. They still think he has it, and that just muddies up that water and that that backfield so much. I just, I think Sanders has an ability, obviously, to be the pass catcher. But if you have Sproles back there, why wouldn't they be using Sproles? And so I, I just have a hard time thinking that, you know, Miles Sanders is going to hit the the ceiling that we want him to hit. Do I think he's a fabulous running back yes i do do i think he's going to be a stud in a couple of years i absolutely do but there's so many backs to feed in this and there's so many weapons that it's like it's kind of becoming what we were talking about with i just don't know if i buy that there are so many bats yes jordan howard's there and sproles is there sproles hasn't stayed healthy in how long like and and jordan howard if they want to keep talking about Jordan Howard's hands in practice, like if we're going to go through the same I'm story, I'm talking and about over pass again, catching though. I'm talking about like he will that, get you are. Line. If you're talking about Darren Sproles, you're talking yes. about pass catching yes. because you don't draft a guy in the second round unless you're going to use him, Johnny. And right away, right away, uh, they, they are Penny? going to. Where did he go again? Well, yeah, well we're not. Well, we're not. well Johnny, well, one thing I did want to add here, like if you recall last season, Josh Adams, I mean, when Jai went down, they turned to Josh Adams. And Josh Adams, albeit it was a rotation back there, they did feed Josh Adams the ball. He got the ball the only 15 my, my, times they fe- the and, and, the, and the they're in their super times. And in their Super Bowl run, they fed Jay Ajayi down the stretch. So they have done it in spurts. They just haven't had the talent yet all the right. way through. And I think that's the difference. And so I think running, that is the difference. Uh, a running back that has had three consecutive 1,000-yard rushing seasons – you think that he will just sit to the side and he won't be good anymore? Because uh, uh, say what you will about Jordan Howard, he's a decent right. running back. He's going to get you yards right. and he's going to score touchdowns. So you're limiting your Miles Sanders to now a partial roll out of the receiving backfield until Sproles gets hurt and a limited rushing because they, I mean, sure they can run the ball 25 times a game. But if Howard's getting 15 or even like the most he's going to get is 15 rushes a game. If you sprinkle in three, three to four targets, then you're thinking, okay, 19 touches. Yeah, but we we see this all the time. We see veteran presence get usurped all the time. I mean, just in recent memory, we go to the Saints and, and and Adrian Peterson. 
where Adrian Peterson was coming off good years, come to the Saints, and they couldn't stop giving Alvin Kamara the ball. My point is, is that I trust in Miles Sanders' uh, talent, and I think it will win to the top, and I think they're going to be forced, based on his pedigree and his talent, to not like to be to use it. And I think that's what's going to end up happening. And Darren Sproles could be a cut candidate as well before the season opens as well. So that's something to keep an eye out for. This black backfield situation could get a little bit more clear uh, for, for all of us fantasies. But uh, I'm really excited about Johnny's next guy, friend of the show, friend of the podcast. Johnny, friend kick of it pod. off for your next league winner. So this guy, um, I potentially, can, I can, yeah, I can. <laughs> I, disclaimer. I, yeah, disclaimer, <laughs> disclaimer. Um, Mark Andrews is a tight end. A tight end. Mark for the, Andrews for the Baltimore Ravens. His ADP right now is astound, astonishing. Thirteen. Yeah. Oh three. <laughs> uh, Big Travi and somebody. This is an absolute steal bargain bin. Uh, gem diamond in the rough. Whatever you want to call it. Mark Andrews is my guy that I am targeting in so many drafts. If you look at last season, it was his rookie season. He had 34 receptions for 553 yards and three touchdowns, which for a tight end, as more specifically a rookie tight end, ranks amongst the best in the league uh, ever in history. Uh, Mark Andrews was fifth of 30 tight ends in yards per route ran uh, at 2.01. You look at, you know, when everyone wants to say, oh, Lamar Jackson, he can't throw, he can't. Well, maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. But one thing we do know is that when Mark or when uh, Jackson took over this team as the quarterback, Mark Andrews led the team in receiving yards with 339. And he he shared a 26% of uh, Lamar Jackson's passing yards came with just 14% of his throws to Mark Andrews. Uh, the play action that they rolled out in Baltimore on 42.9% of plays tends to help out the tight end position the most because they get lost in all the scuffling and all the you know uh, blocking and, and whatnot. So Mark Andrews is going to have the ability. He has the talent. There has been so much coming out. Talk about beat writers uh, hyping up a player. So much has been talked up about Mark Andrews and what he, how he's coming to camp. Bigger, stronger, faster, all that stuff. Uh, I'm completely buying the Mark Andrews takes. Uh, I'm planting my flag on Mark Andrews, and I think that he is going to help in what's a landscape, realistically, guys, that sucks. Um, so finding a gem, <laughs> uh, finding a gem, you know, like Mark Andrews, who I do think will be in the conversation next year of where, you know, we're getting OJ Howard and Hunter Henry. I think in that range, we will be talking about Mark Andrews next year. Yeah, I, I love Andrews. Um, I had him ranked inside my top 10 all the way back in like May or June. And honestly, it was Humble more like he's been scouting him <laughs> since he was a uh, pop Warner football. <laughs> exactly. Hey. I was at his games, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Which helped uh, raise him, by the way. He went to school in Scottsdale. <laughs> yeah, he did, right? Yeah. Yeah. My, Johnny's my, backyard. My, father, my favorite playground. My father in law may or may not know his father. So we'll see how far that there you gets go. us. Friend of the show. Friend of the show. Uh, Mark, what's up if you're watching, man? Yeah. Uh, anyways, <laughs> uh, Mark Andrews to me is the biggest benefactor of Lamar Jackson's lack of accuracy because you need big body receivers when you have inaccurate quarterbacks. You need big body receivers to, to shield the ball from defenders, right? Lack I think accuracy. 
<laughs> Lacuracy. Yeah. Dude, yeah, you should try that. That was a little late. Uh, that sorry. needs to no, that needs yeah. to be trademarked. <laughs> um that's why they drafted a guy like Miles Boykin, right? That's why they, they have a guy like Nick Boyle. That's why they have a guy like Hayden Hurst. They need bigger receivers. And I mean Nick Boyle to me, they spent so much draft pedigree on him, but I think he's being relegated to a pure blocking tight end role. Hayden Hurst, you know, a guy who said he's on a mission this year, but then tweaked his hamstring the next day. I don't trust that guy. <laughs> I don't trust that guy for a bit, right? I think Mark Andrews can definitely separate himself in this pack of tight ends. I think he can separate himself in this pack of receivers, and I think he's going to be Lamar Jackson's go-to target next year. Yep. I mean, I think that's the huge thing here is that Mark Andrews is the one guy on the field that you feel confident that Lamar Jackson can get it to. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. bottom line. And he, we've already seen him soak up these targets in important games for the Ravens, not just in the stretch run, but in the playoffs. He, he balled out against the Chargers. So um, I think that that's important to note there. Um, and I'm, I'm really excited though, for Summy's next guy here, who we all saw in this preseason game go ham for the chiefs. But I want to know Summy, is this take purely just hype from this preseason game? Or have you been working on something uh, for a little bit now? No, I think it's, so this take is more so from the hype of another player that I'm not buying into. And I'm probably going to get raked over the coals by your listeners, by Whisper Nation for this. But I'm not buying into Damian Williams. I'm sorry. I'm just, it's just, it just doesn't make sense to me. It makes no sense to me why, okay, I get Andy Reid. I get his workhorse. I get, I get all of that. But here, follow me through this progression really quick. Damian Williams at his ADP right now. I don't know. He's at the back of the uh, second round, 210 right now, I think, as the RB. I forget. Anyways, there's risk to that, right? Because Damian Williams hamstring injury all of a sudden, and then Reed comes out. He's like, yeah, you know, we've been kind of disappointed. Carlos Hyde is getting the work with the ones, blah, 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 whatever. And then magically, Damian Williams shows his hamstring is magically fixed, right? So, like, you have to think that there's something a little bit more to that. And if, if there isn't, that means that he's probably stressing that injury more than he should be. Right. This is a guy who hasn't been able to earn a starting role based on his own merit since he's entered the league. He's been handed the keys due to circumstances around him. In Miami, Jay Ajayi got traded. That's the only reason he came out as a starter in front of Kenyon Drake. And even then, from weeks nine to 12 in those four games, it took him 48 touches to go down and he was no longer available to the team. Right. So can he be a true three down workhorse? I don't buy that. Plus, you. You combine that with the fact that they brought in Carlos Hyde in free agency. If they had so much confidence in this guy, why would you bring in a veteran? Why would you do that when you have Daryl Williams back there too? You had some depth back there. Why would you bring in a, a veteran guy through free agency? Now, Carlos Hyde, to me, you know, he's bounced around three different teams in the last year. He's kind of in running back purgatory where he's not really good enough to be a full-time starter on a, on a team. Like no team really wants him in that role. And, you know, he's better than most backups as well. So he's really in that purgatory of, of running back hell where teams he just don't know to, what to do with him. He should go to Adam Gase's squad. I'm sure yeah. Gase will find a way to <laughs> He'll fit right in with Ty Montgomery. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And Le'Veon Bell. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, why Thompson is a league winner to me, this is obviously taken with a grain of salt, right? If Damon Williams, I could totally be proven wrong here. Damon Williams could come out because guys are injury prone until they're not injured. And that's a very valid statement mm-hmm. where we just we might not have just seen Damian Williams get the work. Maybe he is 
a competent three down back that could last the whole 16 games and get 300 touches. I don't know. Are you talking I about just Kenan haven't seen Drake, it yet. Or are you talking about talk- no oh. Damian Williams? Oh, oh, oh! That's funny. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> um, it's interchangeable at that point, honestly. But listen, Thompson to me, nothing on his film stood out to the point where you go, "Holy crap, that guy's good." Excuse the language. That guy's really good. He's inconsistent. I'll give you that. But in an Andy Reid offense in this scheme. He could be something really special, and we saw that. He's undersized for sure. The only reason he flew under the radar and got drafted in the sixth is because he was only in Division One for one year, right? He was, he was. I think he went to Oklahoma A&M, which is a smaller school. For the first two years, he was not offered any scholarships until his second year. And you got to think, like, why are schools offering him a scholarship, you know, in college when they didn't initially? He must have done something to show that he was worth that, right? So Darwin Thompson, to me, is a guy who could be a league winner in this offense just because of the fit. I think he reminds me a lot of Kareem Hunt when he's looking good. And I'll give you the fact that he is inconsistent. I mean, listen, Andy Reid, his RB1 historically averages 204 rushing attempts, 73 targets, 10 scrimmage touchdowns, six on the ground, four through the air. So I want a piece of that. So not only Darwin Thompson, I think... You should hedge your bet and get both Carlos Hyde and Darwin Thompson just to get, have your bases covered in case anything does happen to Damian Williams. I mean, I think that's the point here. And we talked about it a little bit with the Chargers as well. It's like this is a system and you have to buy into what Andy Reid has done over his career. He has consistently put guys at the top when we weren't really talking about them before. I mean, even Kareem Hunt. Guys that were like, oh, yeah, Kareem Hunt's super talented. We love Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt wasn't even slated to be the starter for Andy Reid. Right. Okay. Kareem Hunt was behind Spencer Ware. So here's the deal, guys. Like, we know Andy Reid is going to take whoever's in that RB1 role and make him a fantasy stud. So I think the point here is, like Sammy said, you're getting him right now in the 13th. I don't know how long that will last. And we have Williams back at practice already. Right. So who knows? Maybe it will, will hold up. But get a piece of this offense Mm -hmm. and stash it on your bench because unless it's Williams, then you got to start him. But like (laughs) stash it on your bench because these guys, these guys can win you leagues. Don't don't bench Damian Williams if he's the starter. Let me just put that out there. You're going to get so much. No, but yeah, similar to that take with the Chiefs. I've been saying this a little bit in the offseason, too, with the Patriots. And that's what brings me to. My my next league winner, uh, the final one for our show here, or potential league winner, and that's Damian Harris, guys. Now, unfortunately, he had some news today about his hand and wrist, but they, they're saying it's not that big of a deal. At the same time, Damian Harris has been a guy that they've talked about quite a bit in camp, that he's d- done good things. He's flashed some good hands as well for the team, and that you know while Sony Michelle was dealing with his knee injury, Damian Harris fil- fit the bill very well. So, yes, last year they drafted Sony Michelle, the Patriots did, in the first round. They turn around and they draft Damian Harris in the third round this year, kind of as insurance, right? Well, right now you can get Damian Harris in the 10th round. Not a guy you're going to be relying on, but a guy that after a couple weeks of Sony maybe getting hurt or whatever, maybe they decide they want to use Harris more because the Patriots have notoriously, you know, mixed guys in. I think Harris is a guy that if he starts to catch fire in this offense, you could be looking back at a guy you're getting in the RB 45 range and go, oh my God, this guy paid off in a major way for me. 
I mean, you just look at what the Patriots have done. Top three in rushing attempts in two of the last three years. They average over 30 carries a game in both of those years, and they've had no less than 16 touchdowns as a team in the last three years, rushing touchdowns as a team. That's a rushing touchdown a game. So if you've got the guy, they're going to live in scoring range. It's just what they do. They dink and dunk to success all day long. And if Harris can so show some hands here and is there ends up being their goal line back, which I know that some he's said before on a show, he actually thinks that Harris projects to be some get some goal yeah. line work for them. I think that Harris is going to pay off in a major way for those that invest and pay a small price for him as far as that 10th round ADP. Yeah, I mean, if you can get Harris and he does nothing else but get the goal line work, I'm more than happy at this because, like you said, the Patriots always are in the top five, top six in terms of rushing touchdowns, rushing attempts in the in the red zone. And, you know, to me, Damian Harris profiles is more of a short yardage goal line back, just like you said, Travi. Yeah, Johnny, what's your take on the New England backfield? And do you feel confident in, in, in kind of that strategy I've laid out for Whisper Nation of trying to invest pieces into that backfield? Uh, I certainly do. Uh, I'm actually a, a riser on Sony over the last couple of weeks after seeing the news. I do think that I want to take, if I get Summy, I or if I don't, uh, getting a stab at one of these running backs. You is drafted Summy? Yeah, hurt. I'm not a potential league winner. I am a league winner. Hey, Summy, exactly. do you have Summy, do you have a degenerate knee or are you just a degenerate? <laughs> no, no, no. I, uh, <laughs> I, no, actually, I was gonna make a reference to my initial joke, but let's not do that. Yeah, let's, uh, <laughs> let's not do that again. Let's bring it back, <laughs> yeah. baby. So no, but I, I think that taking a stab at any, at any one of these running backs, we know how rigorous the season is for any player let alone a running back who consistently is you know shown that it's like getting in a car accident over and over again uh so i have no problem in grabbing one of these i like his draft stock so it's relatively like if you're gonna take a gamble just you know cling to your guy and take the gamble you know that's what i like about all of these guys is that even if you're even if we're all wrong i don't think that we are but let's say we're wrong on all six of these guys you're not giving up a whole lot in order to invest in these guys that are league winners so to right. me it's always worth the dart throw uh, cuz you never know what you could end up getting and finding uh let's remember like Josh Gordon that was on this list was the same way when he popped off that year he was going in the 13th 14th round so uh these are the exact guys that you want to take a stab on as opposed to guys that don't have that high of upside that's one thing i i always drives me a little crazy is like when people are drafting and they're drafting guys that are like there's no upside to them. It's like, oh, yeah, they're going to get, you know, 700 yards or 600 yards. Johnny, receiving. Right. Johnny, Johnny, yeah. quiet. dude. Don't tell everybody oh, this. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. No, so, he, he's drafting the well, one, thing, one thing I will add to this, Johnny, one thing I, w- I, I do want to mention is that, sure, you definitely want to shoot for the moon in those later rounds but also like don't go out there and draft all these guys right don't go out there and pick up a josh gordon pick up a miles sanders pick up a damian harris like don't pick up all of these guys because then you're gonna have no depth like you want to pick them (laughs) partially that (laughs) partially that yes keep the adp low but also like you don't you you don't want to have a bench full of guys that you just can't start until like week six or seven because i mean listen your roster spots are just as valuable as the players in them 
So you want to be able to utilize those roster spots efficiently as well. And I think having a mixed bag of guys that have upsides, such as a Damian Harris, such as a Darwin Thompson, um, you know, Mark Andrews to me is a week one starter. I think you can plug him in Mm -hmm. him excluded. Don't like, don't make your bench all upside guys like home run late in the season. Like you want to have that depth as well. Yeah. Well, I think it's it's a great point about roster construction, especially, you know, we had a quite a bit of running backs here, right, with our, our league winners. And I think it's important to note that from RB15 on, RB15 to 30, uh, it gets a little weird, right? It gets a little – and statistically, <laughs> it becomes guys that do not hit. And right. so when you are going in that range, uh, that is when I say you have to hit for – you have to swing for the fences. You have to get guys that are going to be – hopefully project to be big time guys for you by the end of the year because if you're stacking a bunch of like ho-hum handcuffs or or you know whatever like plotters like you're not like you know you're LaShawn McCoy or any of the Buffalo running backs like you're going to be in a situation where it gets a little you know you're going to put yourself behind the eight ball and I think if you go in you build a nice roster for your first few rounds and then you stack some depth these are the guys you could be stacking in the back end. And like Sammy said, don't be don't be stacking all of them, all right? Yeah. For the rest of us. One thing I just do want to add on to that point, Trav, you made a really brilliant point there where, you know, you want to switch up running backs and wide receivers. Um, like in that range of RB15, RB30, you want to make sure, you know, like those guys usually bust, like usually yeah. year in and year out, right? On average, running backs from RB1 to RB12, the difference is 152 fantasy points. From wide receiver one to wide receiver 12, the difference is only 77.7 fantasy points. This is over the last 10 years, right? So you see that big drop off from RB1 to RB12, but then you take from RB12 to RB24, it's a completely different story where wide receivers have the most disparity in that range and running backs are a little bit more tightly grouped together. So great point that you made there. I think you want to be able to target those guys um, and target them efficiently in your drafts as well. Well, that does it for this show, guys. I'm super stoked on what we put together here. I hope that this helps Whisper Nation. If you guys are worried or curious about any of your own personal league winners, quote unquote, hit us in the light or in the comments below and let us know what you guys are talking about there. Also, hit us up on social media. You can DM us your questions there. But, Summy, I want you to tell the Whisper Nation once again where they can find you. We appreciate you coming on the show, brother. Finally, we may just get this one recorded and out to the masses. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if you guys liked what I dished out, I mean, you guys are more than welcome to find me at DraftRoomPod on Twitter and Instagram. Again, I, I try as much as possible to put out golden nuggets of information on the, on both social medias. Um, and, you know, I love to interact. So if you have any questions about your, your fantasy roster, your upcoming draft, feel free to hit me up. I'd be more than happy to talk fantasy with you. Uh, but, guys, thank you so much for having me on. I, I know this was a long time coming. I think uh, this show was great. I had a lot of fun here, and uh, we hope to do it again soon. For Heck, sure. yeah, man. Thank you so and much. And, of course, Whisper Nation, if you want any more content at all, head on over to the fantasywhispers.com. Like we said at the top of the show, we got rankings, articles, and, of course, our 2019 draft kit, which you can download there at an industry steal of a deal for 10 bucks. And then, of course, like and subscribe to the podcast, everybody. For Johnny Game Time Hicks and Summy with the Draft Room Podcast, I'm Big Travi, and we're out. Peace. 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 Go get the draft kit. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Whisperers Podcast. You can hear more from John and Travis on Google Play, SoundCloud, and iTunes. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at TF Whisperers.